This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. It's up one and a half cents at 477. And Minneapolis spring wheat is down half a cent in the December contract at 546. That's a look at the ice futures in the Chicago markets for Friday morning, September 4th. For more news from the Markets Farm News team and expert analysis from Bruce Burnett and Mike Jubinville, go to marketsfarm.com. For Markets Farm in Winnipeg, I'm Marlo Glass. There are no such things as small chores on your farm, so you need equipment that works as hard as you do, especially during harvest season. That's where New Holland and Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John come in. During New Holland Harvest Days, get terrific deals on equipment to help you work more productively. Save with 0% financing and cashback offers on select tractors, hay tools, and harvesting equipment. Stop by Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John today for details. But hurry, Harvest Days ends September 30th, 2020. The opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station. If you've missed any of this show, you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Well, Warren is away this week. My name is Adam Rayburn, filling in for him. This week on Moose Talks, we're going to handle a couple of big issues that are currently happening in our community. To start, we'll talk with Stephen Petrucci. He's the superintendent for School District 60 about plans for students as they all get ready to return to school next week. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to be joined by Lyric Parnum. He will join us to discuss the overdose crisis in Fort St. John and the work that he and a group of people in Fort St. John are doing to help bring the Society for Narcotic and Opioid Wellness here to our community in Fort St. John. And as mentioned, to start off the show, we have Stephen Petrucci joining us. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Adam. Nice to be here. Thank you for joining us. I know it's been a busy, uh, as we were discussing off the air, a busy, uh, uh, well, six, seven, eight months, whatever it's been now that we're at, right, for uh, dealing with the COVID crisis. And I thought um, there's always this, this this anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety about going back to school. But, of course, this year, even more so for a lot of parents, students, teachers. And so I wanted to kind of just touch base and go through the plans that you guys have rolled out and what students and parents and teachers will see once school does start on Thursday next week technically for students so uh, let's kind of hit on um, we'll go through the the grade levels here so elementary what what are elementary students going to find that's different from when they were in school back either in June or before that as well too sounds good Adam and you know first of all as you mentioned it's been sort of six seven months since uh, this the pandemic uh, became a global pandemic and it's also been that amount of time really since kids have been back in school. And, you know, so we also are preparing uh, for our kids to come back and know that it's it's really important for our kids to get back into school. And uh, we're doing everything we can to make sure that's done in a safe way. So this week, for example, and in the past couple of weeks, teachers and administrators are in the schools. They are They are ready for the kids to come back. They're making sure all of the safety protocols are in place. And whether it's elementary, middle or secondary, there will be a plan for entry into the school, uh, some staggered break, lunch times, uh, and uh, hand-washing stations, uh, the, the learning groups that we're going to talk about. So all of that is in place, and we're looking forward to seeing our kids. So I can start with elementary in the sense that uh, in many respects, it will look as close to normal as possible as it was in the past, Adam. And that's because 
elementary is already set up mm -hmm. for learning groups. There's a classroom teacher yep. and there's a group of kids. So already that's a sort of a protected and consistent environment throughout the day. They will be matched with a couple of other classes in terms of that learning group of 60 people that you've heard about and then limit the interaction with other learning groups. So what parents can expect, and by now, Adam, they would have received a letter from their school mm -hmm. in terms of that first week and, what, and, and uh, what to expect, and there'll be a plan for entering the school, uh, a plan with their teacher in terms of moving around the school. All of the hand washing will happen as soon as they enter, as well as sanitization stations outside the gym, library, and those kinds of places. So elementary, we're really hoping, because you mentioned anxiety, Kids can get anxious even, you know, in, in terms of the environment around them, sure. what they see and how people yeah. are reacting. And so we want this to be as welcoming and safe as possible. And, and, and we're really optimistic and positive about that. I'll move on. Any questions about elementary, Adam? No, I think I think that's almost to say that's, as you said, one of the easier ones, right? Once we get into the middle school and high school area, there's a few more changes that are going on. So yeah, let's let's touch on, for example, what what students will see at Burt Bowes and and Dr. Kearney, for example, middle school. Fantastic, thanks, Adam. And you know, Burt Bowes and, uh, and Dr. Kearney have actually been working together. The administration teams there over the last few weeks, and they've been and uh, reaching out to their teachers and leaders. And what you'll see there is a change from a linear system, which is where you take your eight courses uh, throughout the year along with all of your electives, and, and it's moved to a quarter, or sorry, uh, a semester system. So Burt Bowes and Dr. Kearney, they'll only have four courses at a time. And the reason for that, Adam, of course, is to limit the number of interactions, both in terms of the, the rooms they're going into, but especially the number of interactions between the adults and the different learning groups. So it was important to make that systemic change. Additionally, similar to elementary, uh, there's quite uh, an elaborate logistical plan to keep those learning groups separate, particularly in terms of where they enter the school, how they break, uh, take their break times, how lunch is organized, how the canteen and food are organized. But I think the good news is that, you know, their courses are all still there. Mm -hmm. There may be some changes in terms of the number of electives they get or when they get them, mm -hmm. but all of that to make sure we follow those preventative measures. So Dr. Kearney and Burt Bowes, they've been working together and they're ready to bring in their kids. And by the way, they've sent out a letter as well, and it won't necessarily be all the kids on Thursday and all the kids on Friday. They're going to bring in separate grades and all of that plan is outlined in the school letter. Okay, so there's there's a one big difference because obviously elementary, all the kids are, except for kindergarten kids, of course. Kindergarten has a staggered entry later. <laughs> um, yeah. But so Bert Bowes and Dr. Kearney parents, uh, they do have a different schedule based on whatever grade their child is is in. Um, what, what about the high school? Just that, for the first two couple of days. Okay, yeah. just for the first couple of days. And then what about the high school? Because then there's yeah. even some more differences for high school students as well. Absolutely, Adam, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, people probably realize right away that uh, large secondary schools were going to be quite a puzzle uh, mm -hmm. to figure out in terms of keeping those cohorts to, uh, those learning groups to 120 in a school of, you know, 1,200 kids on main campus, along with the ELC and the Pomeroy uh, Sports Centre. So they've been actually working at this for a while, and essentially they're moving from a semester system where a student would have four courses at a time okay. to what they call a quarter system. And so from the student's perspective, they're going to have two courses for a 10-week stretch, and then they'll change to two different courses. And Adam, this allows to actually implement 
you know, as best we can, the learning group model. Okay. Um, and the, the big difference here for North Beach Secondary School that uh, for, for some of their courses throughout the year, it will be 50% attendance. And so uh, all of those details are in the letter that's been sent out by the school. And uh, it just simply means that in some cases, we've set it up so that students can physically distance in those classes where there are different learning groups in the room if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. And I think probably the basic thing out of this conversation is if you haven't seen a letter from your school, um, probably call the school, look in your email, look on the school websites. Uh, I've seen some of that stuff myself as a parent. Um, And and it is out there because it is different and it is uh, changing. What about masks? I know that was one issue that especially as you got into the um, middle schools and high schools, what's, what's the situation with masks? Great. Thanks for asking that, Adam. And, uh, you know, in the vast majority of cases, uh, students will be, able, will be able to be in their classroom without wearing a mask because they'll be with their learning group. Mm-hmm. So as you know, first of all, elementary students, it's not recommended by the PHO that the elementary students wear masks. And so there's no expectation there, uh, either on the bus or in the schools. Um, when it comes to middle and secondary students, uh, certainly, you know, that's been tightened up a bit in the sense that while on a bus, middle and secondary students are obliged to wear a mask hmm. unless there's a medical or disability issue that they can sort of discuss with their school. Uh, and just by the way, parents are also welcome and in fact encouraged if they're able to transport their kids uh, privately, you know, if that's a possibility. So that's the busting situation, middle and secondary only. Okay. In terms of during the school day, we mentioned uh, Dr. Kearney and Burt Bowes where they have the staggered times for lunch different entry points. So in fact, most of the day, their learning groups will not be interacting with each other, and therefore there will be very limited need to wear a mask. Okay. Let me point out, however, that staff or students are always welcome to wear a mask if they wish, and that's not a problem. In fact, the district is providing masks mm-hmm. uh, in advance to all of our bus students of middle and secondary, and for our staff, and we'll have masks available both on buses and at every school site in the district. So it's important to remember that masks are mandatory on the bus for middle and secondary, but through their sort of educational experience during the day, in most cases, mm-hmm. they may not need a mask. Now, North Peace Secondary, of course, being a bigger school, when there's those uh, large interactions or yeah. transition times, they'll be, they have a plan for that. They'll make sure the students and staff know about it, and there may be times where the students need to wear a mask. Um, In terms of our rural schools, Adam, they're somewhat fortunate in the sense that it's usually smaller populations. For example, you could have a secondary uh, portion of a rural school where the entire secondary is one learning group. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they're able to work and learn together and with far fewer limitations than some of the other schools, and in which case they would not be needing a mask. Uh, distance education is... I'll just... Oh, go yeah. ahead, Stephen. Go ahead. Sorry, it, it, my apology. I'll just add, and, and the masks, of course, is, uh, is a big topic. If you look at the public health officer guidelines around the prevention and transmission of COVID, it's kind of like a pyramid mm-hmm. of what are the most effective measures. And at the very top is what public health is doing in terms of the promotion of physical distancing, Uh, those administrative controls of setting up learning groups. And then there's the personal hygiene around hand washing, around sanitization stations. All of those measures are are the most effective 
But when those cannot be in place, then we also have the ability to use masks and they're effective at that point. But all of these other systemic procedures and, and uh, logistics that we've changed and set up are the ones that are critical. It's one piece of the puzzle, but not the entire or largest piece when we talk about masks, right? Good, good summary. Yeah. <laughs> um, on to distance education. Obviously, uh, we've had a very robust distant ed program here in Peace River North School District 60. Are you expecting that you'll find more students signing up for that as the anxiety is there over attending school just in general? Yeah, thanks, Adam. You know, there's been a bit of an increase overall uh, with our distance education program not necessarily out of line with what we would normally see in okay. our in our own school district but as i mentioned there are uh definitely an increase in students from other districts who have registered with the key learning center which is our distance education program and uh, so that is a possibility um i'll just point out that in my recent letter to parents uh, i also explained what school district 60's transition plan is if some parents need a bit more time mm -hmm. before entering their local school. So, so that's a possibility as well. If they're not sure what they want to do yet, we would encourage them to stay connected to their school. And uh, we'll, the schools are providing more information on that. But by a certain period of time, mid-October, they would have to make a definitive decision and return to their school. Okay. Um, obviously, there has been over the last week, uh, well, I, we'll call it one announcement, but two different uh, parts to the announcement about the funding that the federal government is going to provide to school districts um, for dealing with COVID-19. Yesterday, the province basically said, hey, no, we're going to leave it up to each school district what they want to do with that money. Uh, do you have any idea at this point even how much School District 60 will receive and, and what you'll what you'll use that money for? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Um, I believe our proportional allocation uh, will be approximately um, around 1.5 million mm. uh, to, two, to 2 million. And uh, just keeping in mind that, for example, if we were to undertake a, a, a major a capital investment like replacing an HVAC system or ventilation system in a school, that alone is over a million dollars. So we're going to take a look at all of the different areas where funds can be spent in terms of the uh, the federal money and uh, consult with our groups um, and and it will certainly be helpful um, but there's no changes in terms of our plans and our protocols heading into next week uh, one of the things of course the bctf is pushing for a smaller classroom sizes hoping that more teachers can be found how are you doing first off just with teachers that you you know, needed in general to start the school year? And, and is there even a possibility that you could find more if that money was dedicated towards that? Well, that's a great point, Adam. And uh, first of all, we're in a pretty good place right now in terms of the need and the filling of our classroom positions in the school district. And our HR department has, has done a phenomenal job since January in terms of the recruitment and setting into place all of our needed teachers. However, as you've pointed out, we do not have a sort of magical reserve of mm -hmm. teachers out there in our region, and I don't think we're alone in terms of some of the northern districts. So whatever we do, it has to be with the resources and the people that we have. So in terms of some of the other political discussions that are happening out there, you know, I'll leave that to our, our ministry and, and to the BCTF and to the Public Health Office, which in fact guides a lot of, of what we do in, in during a pandemic. 
Um, but we're ready here and with the people and resources we have to get started. Well, thank you, Stephen, for joining us this morning. I think probably one of the key things, I know a lot of this is up on the school district's website because there's still a lot more detail to this from, I know there's the daily health checklist for kids and all kinds of different parts to this still that we didn't get time to touch on this morning. So um, really encourage everyone to go to the district's website, and I think it's what, prn.bc.ca, if my memory serves me, correct? You got it. You got it. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you very much, and uh, good luck on the school year, and I know we will uh, definitely be in touch as uh, we continue on with uh, school in uh, 2020. Thanks, Adam, and happy to connect here in the next few weeks as well. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Coming up next on Moose Talks, we'll be joined by Lyric Parnham. He will join us to talk about the overdose crisis here in Fort St. John. We'll be right back on Moose Talks right after this. There's nothing better than enjoying fresh produce in the fall. But what makes fresh produce even better? Fresh local produce. The Fort St. John Farmer's Market is open every Saturday until Thanksgiving at the Seniors Building on 100 Street. And they have a huge selection of fresh fruit and veggies and local meat vendors. While you're there, check out all of the crafts from our local vendors and so much more. Support our local farming community every Saturday from 9 until 3. For more, follow the Fort St. John Farmer's Market on Facebook. Rips has been repairing footwear in the Peace area for over 40 years. We'll renew anything from high heels to western boots. Remember, get your soul saved at Rips Shoe Renew. Located in the Co-op Mall on 8th Street, Dawson Creek. Complete Safety Services, with 10 years serving the Peace area, they strive to offer the best safety service in the oil and gas industry. Complete Safety Services specializes in safety with their experienced field safety advisors and medics. Complete Safety Services can prepare companies for their core, develop written safety programs, and manage ISN and comply works. Complete Safety Services also offers traffic control, hotshot, and pilot car services on 100th Street. Look them up online at completesafety.ca. As a 100% Indigenous-owned company, they are proud to support the oil and gas industry. As we head into hunting season, it's important we keep safety and our environment top of mind. If you're a hunter, remember to pack out what you pack in and respect the land so it's here for future generations to enjoy. This message from Key and Coating and Sandblasting. With a qualified team to serve you 24-7 with structural steel vessels, sandblasting or coating oil tanks, three mobile blaster units, in-house airless paint guns, and environmentally friendly blasting media. Key and Coating and Sandblasting on 85th Avenue. Warriors to the end. They get the job done. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to Moose Talks. This week is Overdose Awareness Week all across the world and here in Fort St. John. Um, it has been described as we are the epicenter of the overdose crisis here in British Columbia, which may be hard to believe for a small community of about 20,000 people, but that is based on stats recently that we've all seen over the last uh, few months here, especially since the COVID crisis began in Fort St. John. And joining me this morning to just talk more about the overdose crisis and what we can do to uh, help prevent it and help those who are addicted is Lyric Parnum. Lyric, good morning. One second there. Sorry, running the show all by myself, and I'm pressing the wrong button. So there we go. Lyric, there you are. 
All right. Good morning, so, Eric, Adam. How you, you are part of a group that is trying to bring an organization to Fort St. John that is called the Society for Narcotic and Opioid Wellness, or SNOW for short. And uh, that is just one of the peer-based groups, basically, to help those addicted to opioids and other narcotics. Can you kind of give me a little bit of background on yourself? I guess the first part is you used to be addicted and you used to be uh, living in the downtown east side in Vancouver. Yes, I did. Um, I was down in the east side uh, for eight years, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a different life for sure. It's a creature of its own, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I was able to move away from that uh, environment and uh, delve into work. And then I realized that uh, I'm pretty good at uh, talking to people and getting people to open up and. Uh, tell me problems and stuff like that and I was like okay how are we going to move forward with this and uh, I moved up here in Fort St. John um, about three years ago mm-hmm. uh, over three years ago and uh, I was in Dawson Creek uh, with a cat team a community action um, team and they were trying to come up with a plan as to what they could do to help folks in Dawson Creek um, with uh, that are drug users and they were like, well, maybe we need to make a drug users group. So we had a cafe, and uh, it's a world cafe, and we invited all peers of and, and Dawson Creek, and we had tables set up with uh, four or five different questions, and they basically did like a round robin every, you know, five to ten minutes we'd move around, and there'd be like a question on the table, and it'd be like, uh, what does Dawson Creek need for resources? How easy is it to access resources? And things like that. And having the Pure Cafe allowed um, folks that can't articulate what they need or want, and they could just write it down on a piece of paper. So we took all this information, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of information. We had, uh, I believe, uh, 35 peers at that cafe. And from that information, uh, we were able to gather up that they wanted a drug users group. So we're like, okay. So we created Snow. And Snow is a drug users group and we are lived and living experience um individuals and it's it's the pure voice there's nothing else there is no other resources no outside help at all it's literally the peers voice what do we need in our society um like what do we need in dawson creek and we've been doing it now since uh november of uh 2019 and we're still a small group but more and more people are showing up uh we do at snow meetings every two weeks and um, we meet up at a, um, a local place right now it's at Hugamugs and uh, we discuss what we want to do what needs to be done what um, can we do as peers mm-hmm. um, how do we get our voice out there yeah. you know so and it's just been going it's been going 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 really really well and now I'm hoping that we can bring snow from Dawson Creek and have a chapter of here in Port St. John because peers really need a place to be able to be themselves and um, to build capacity, community, you know, to break the stigma and the shame that comes hand in hand with uh, drug users. And I think that's probably one of the biggest parts of um, Overdose Awareness Week is trying to reduce, break down those barriers around the stigma that's attached to um, anyone who is addicted to any type of drug. Mm-hmm. How else can we communicate that and share that with the community? Because it's important that you guys are doing the work that you're doing with the peer group, but I think it's also we have to um, mm-hmm. uh, work to educate 
not just the community of Fort St. John, yes. but the, the community overall uh, in, in Canada uh, to help them understand what everyone is going through and, and the best process to, to get rid of this. Because we know it all, you know, drug use leads to all kinds of societal issues, right? And it's best for all of us that we find a way to help anyone that is addicted to, to, to kick the habit, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, any addiction, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be drugs. It could be yeah. alcohol, it could be food, you know, any addiction. Mm-hmm. We all need... Um, a place where we can be ourselves and get the help and talk to people that know what we've gone through, you know, um, be able to share their, st- their stories and what worked for them and what didn't work for them. And um, it, as I said, it comes to like with education, um, tr- getting the naloxone kits out there, um, giving peers clean gear, you know, um, so they're, they're, they themselves are at least being safe while they're using um, it just, I mean, it, there's step after step after step mm-hmm. that can happen, but we have to get the ball in motion. And I mean, with, you know, what's going on right now and we have the opiate awareness week, you know, and then we had that big meeting on, on, uh, the 24th, was it 24th? I think you mean the city council you know, meeting with, the, with city hall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean that a lot of people are like, wow, you know, we do need to, do something and there's still folks on the other side of the fence are just like no it's a choice right and i and that's a real hard no for me it's not a choice so let's touch let's touch on that right as, as a former user yourself how does that make you feel when someone right. says to you that it is a choice that you know that first time or that second or third time that you ended up using the a drug that leaded you to being addicted mm-hmm. was it a choice for me it helped me it was what I was dealing with in my life, it gave me the capability to function so that I could carry on with life, um, that I wasn't stuck in my depression or stuck, you know, in my rage or my anger. I was able to use and be like, yeah, I feel normal. I don't have to deal with everything that's going on around me. And, and I can just deal with what I'm feeling in this moment. So... I don't know if that helps you. No, well, I, I think again we keep we keep touching on it, right? It is talking, communicating, and mm-hmm. and educating everyone on the situation, right? I I don't personally have someone in my life that is addicted to drugs, right? So it is something where we do all of us need to take the time to learn and look and listen, right? Um, from mm-hmm. from your standpoint, do you have any ideas to why? here in Fort St. John or, you know, Taylor, North Peace, all of us here are dealing with this more so than even, you know, I know there's more people in the downtown east side that are addicted overall population-wise, but uh, when you look at per capita, we are definitely one of the major areas in BC that's suffering with this problem right now. Any any concept as to why, why here? Well, I mean, COVID didn't help, yeah. right? COVID isolated all of us, right? And with that isolation, whatever you're dealing with, before we had this isolation now we don't have the resources we didn't have we don't we couldn't go and see a counselor or a doctor or anything like that and then we had to cope in a different way and even folks that you know weren't dealing with um an addiction or anything like that it changed us i mean it's changed COVID has changed how people are thinking and feeling now about their health and their safety Right. So, I mean, that didn't that didn't help at all. But I mean, I mean, the opiate crisis, we've been dealing with this for a long time now and it's not going to go away. And we just need to you can't put a bandaid on it. You know, as I said, it's it's 
we have to deal with people in the moment where they are at that moment and we have to lose that stigma and we have to lose the shame that comes with using drugs and drug users and it's not just the folks on the street that are dying we're, we're also dealing with the blue and white collars now mm -hmm. and the folks that are in their own homes and that shame is so bad you know they don't know how to reach out there is no place to reach out they're afraid to reach out so I'm hoping that when we we're able to bring the drug users group up here in snow mm -hmm. that it will be an outlet for some folks you touched on the one aspect which i don't think many of us think about right we think of drug user as someone who's homeless someone who's living on the streets um blue collar uh, definitely an issue up here in in fort st john right those that have have a job and are still able to sustain um some normal normal part of their life but they're still Absolutely. they're still drug users yes they are and it, 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 but it's it's the, the whole stigma behind it, and you know, and the criminalization of it as well. That doesn't help either, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, they where do they go? What can they do? They, they you know they have the nice house, they have you know a good job, they have a family, they have all that. But where is the help for them when something goes sideways in their life? Where what can they what do they reach to? And for some folks it happens to be drugs. For some folks it could be alcohol, could be mm -hmm. food, could be anything. Yeah. But we just need to, to be, have a drug users group up here so that peers can actually have a place to go that they feel safe with, you know, folks that are going through exactly what they're going through and build capacity from there. Mm. Be able to be like, okay, we can start doing education. And then you actually have an expert, a peer, who's using drugs that can give that education to folks that don't understand. You mentioned the city council meeting uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, the city changed a mm -hmm. bylaw that uh, it was always allowed that we could have safe injection sites in Fort St. John. But what they changed uh, made it so that council had the final say over whether one would be approved, along with some feedback from the community about location and, and all these other aspects to it. The debate has kind of raged online about, well, no, we should be doing more for, um, uh, you know, creating more facilities for people to get uh, rehab, right, to get off drugs versus doing an, a safe injection site. What's your feeling on that? Is it really a one versus the other solution of having one thing and not the other? I believe we need both, you know, because there are folks that um, – want rehabil you want to be rehabilitated they want to go to rehab and it works for them but mm -hmm. there's folks that go and it doesn't work for them so where do they go they, they they feel shamed you know that they relapsed and you know they're worried what their family thinks or their friends think or work or anything like that so they they relapse and they're like where can i go you know i went to aa if i go back to aa or na they're gonna be like oh jesus here we go this guy came back again or this folk came back again right and that's a lot of pressure. So if you relapse, you relapse. Mm -hmm. So if you can't go to AA or an NA group, then come to a peer group, you know? And if you relapse, we find out why you relapsed. And if you can succeed and go back to rehab, more power to you. If you can't, then it's okay too. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, Lyric, we're going to have to uh, leave it there, but do you want to share any information on how people get a hold of either yourself or any organization in town? I, as I said, you, you are trying to work towards creating this snow um, group here in Fort St. John. How can anyone help or get involved in, in that? Um, they could reach me. My, my email is lyric, so L-Y-R-I-C, dot coat at gmail.com. 
and um, you can email me anything. Um, you can also reach me um, by phone as well. So it's 250-794-7043. And I mean, we work with the CAT in Fort St. John. We also work with uh, Northern South Sun Helpers. You can ask those folks too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have their lunches on Sundays. I mean, if you're a peer, come on by okay. and uh, have a lunch and we can talk. Sounds good. Lyric, again, thank you very much for uh, joining us this morning. All right. Thank you very much, Adam. Have a great day. We'll be right back on Moose Talks. A rewarding new career with an extremely busy, growing company. Is that your goal? If so, Poor Boy Trucking would love to hear from you. They're currently accepting applications for a picker operator. They offer top wages, group insurance, and an awesome staff to work with. Apply in person at their location on the 242 Road or email to info at poorboytrucking.ca. Poor Boy Trucking, moving oil field equipment in the Peace Region since 1998 and proudly committed to their customers. Visit poorboytrucking.ca. Hey, DQ fans, Dairy Queen apologizes for the limited seating due to COVID-19. At this time, their dining room is open to half capacity in order to follow the social distancing rules and regulations. Don't have time to dine in? DQ has you covered. Just download the Skip the Dishes app and order off the Dairy Queen food menu to have it delivered right to your door. With Skip the Dishes, enjoy DQ at home tonight. Dairy Queen, Fort St. John, open 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Think you deserve a free sub from Quiznos? Then download the Quiznos Toasty Points app. Scan the barcode on the receipt and get a free small sub with any purchase. The Quiznos Toasty Points app. Download it today. It doesn't get better tasting than Quiznos. Beside Walmart. This sports booster is brought to you by First Choice Towing. For all your towing needs, lockouts, boosters, tows, they do it all 24-7. Call 250-785-2271. You can count on First Choice Towing for all your towing needs. If you're looking for hassle-free internet services, call the Peace Region Internet Society today. With coverage throughout most of the Peace, PRIS can get you connected quickly without the hassle of contracts or bundles. Visit PRIS.ca or call 1-800-768-3311 for more information. For all your gravel hauling, contaminated waste, low beds and graders, Rogers Trucking can meet your needs. Call them today at 250-785-3647. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Warren will be back next week. That wraps it up for this week's edition of Moose Talks. If you missed any part of the show, of course, you can download it as a podcast by visiting energeticcity.ca slash moose talks, or you can also rewatch the video, which will be available here shortly on our Facebook pages. Again, if you're looking for information for students heading back to school, make sure to head to prn.bc.ca. That's the school district's website. They do have all the information up there, or your individual school's website as well, too. And thank you to Stephen for joining us. And also a big thank you to Lyric for joining us this morning to talk about the overdose crisis one event that is happening tonight to, to make everyone aware of. There is a candlelight drive and vigil happening uh, in awareness for aware, to create more awareness of the overdose crisis. It'll start at the Lido Theater at 6 p.m. in the parking lot. So not actually in the theater, but at the parking lot right across the road from the Lido there. And it'll go to about 7 o'clock. And so everyone's encouraged to join in and participate with their vehicle. And they'll do a route around Fort St. John again to recognize uh, the overdose crisis. Once again, thank you very much to both our guests for joining us. Warren will be back next week for another edition of Moose Talks. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. This is Moose Country. This is-
This is Moose Country. 100.1 Moose FM. I ain't gonna stay for the weekend. Jump off the deep end. I ain't gonna ask where your ring is. Thing is, we all got secrets. You don't wanna hear about my last breakup. I don't wanna worry about space you take up. I don't even care if you're here when I wake up. It's just a room key. You ain't got a lot to me. Can't you just use me? Thanks for listening to this EnergeticCity.ca podcast. EnergeticCity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join.